Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Consulting Corner podcast. My name is Martin Andy Peterson, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Carl Varga. I run a company called Way In Consulting, uh, and one of my greatest passions, apart from building my own company, is uh, helping uh, startups and SMEs succeed with their dreams. Uh, through Way In Consulting and my selected partners, I help companies find their way into new international markets, offering a one-entry solution to help you save time and money when going to market. And I currently manage the consulting firm Traveling Esquire Consulting here in Copenhagen, Denmark, where I help Nordic companies expand throughout the EU into the Americas. I find great joy in helping founders and their companies get over the next hurdle on their path to success. I use my years of experience as a business attorney from California, now helping Nordic companies develop internationally. All right, and now let's jump right into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to a Consulting Corner. This is Kyle Varga. We're at NoHo Cafe. I'm with Traveling Esquire Consulting, where we help Nordic companies expand internationally. Here, as always, with my co-host. Martin Andrew Peterson, and I'm the founder of Way In Consulting. Um, where we offer Danish companies a one-entry platform to international business development. We're sitting here with Alejandro from Café Bueno. Uh, give us a brief introduction about your company and we'll jump right into the pod. Sure. Um, Café Bueno, it's a biotechnology startup based in Copenhagen. Uh, we produce ingredients for cosmetics, nutraceuticals and functional foods out of compounds we extract from recycled coffee grounds. And uh, so how did you guys get your start here in Copenhagen? Um, okay, I'm gonna try to be brief. Um, we started this idea in London. We were studying our bachelors there. The, when I say we, I mean my two co-founders and I. We are the three of us are from Colombia. We were doing our bachelors in international business. We started with a lot of Scandinavian uh, friends. We're, there was, of course, always coffee involved, but we soon noticed how the different perceptions we had on coffee. They looked at it from a more like crafty beverage and the caffeine fix while we saw it more from the ugly side that we grew up seeing with the farmers and so on. But yeah, long story short, that soon became an idea in, a, in an entrepreneurship course in the last semester. Our teacher was a venture capitalist who asked us for a coffee after class, offered us some money and but it was a very, not a very good deal, so we rejected it. But then we thought, well, if somebody like that thinks this is interesting, maybe we should give it a shot ourselves. We started researching into the Scandinavian market. We saw Denmark as attractive mainly because of the recycling culture, um, the investments in biotechnology, as well as the focus on like both food production and organic production as a whole and consumption. Um, so yeah, we sent our business plan to the Danish Business Authority through an application, through a program called Startup Denmark. It was approved. They gave us entrepreneurial residence here. Then we came here and started actually selling coffee that we imported directly from farmers in Colombia during the day. During the night, we studied uh, biochemistry and all the things that we needed to learn in order to know what to do with the byproduct of coffee. Yeah, uh, that's how we started. Okay. Okay. And so is 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 Denmark also? I mean, I know we 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 drink a lot of coffee, uh, but but are we good at making this type of recycling uh, possible for, for for you guys? I mean, the 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 whole. Uh, separation of, of recyclable waste and so on. Uh, the coffee grounds, uh, is it 
Is, are you able to get get hold of it in Denmark? Yeah, I mean, in comparison to other countries, for example, like Colombia, they simply couldn't care less about the waste. In here, there's already a mindset of okay, we need to make better use of our resources. Uh, start, uh, they, everyone starts studying or already thinking circular. So, and of course, that's not everyone, but a lot of well, we deal only with businesses, not with consumers. So with businesses, we approach businesses that are known to have a sustainable mindset or at least some efforts in it. And when we approach them, they are actually uh, relieved, kind of, to hear that there is finally a solution for all their coffee waste. So in that regard, it has been uh, quite positive, the reception of businesses giving us their waste. Okay, because it helps cut down on their, obviously, their waste cost, right, for, for disposal, and it gives them kind of like a little greenwashing feeling of being sustainable, circular economy. Is that Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in theory, we, we reduce their waste management costs. So, for example, if a hotel, if, if, if the waste of a hotel is 20% related to coffee, in theory, the, the frequency, so if we provide a free recycling service for them, taking away their 20% of their waste, in theory they would reduce the frequency that the that their waste management company has to come. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, reduce waste management costs basically. Yeah. Plus, we provide annual impact reports on the methane emissions they avert for every ton of coffee they give to us. Right, right. Oh, that's good. And can you kind of go through, just briefly describe what the process is, you know, when you get the coffee grounds, and then what do you go through <coughs> to come to the final product that you guys actually uh, sell? What's, what's kind yeah. of, what's the transition? Without giving away your, yeah, your, your, <laughs> your secrets. Sauces. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> I won't get too technical. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, let's say a hotel, let's take a hotel as an example. Uh, a hotel makes let's say a ton of coffee waste per month then we well actually when we were realizing that we could recycle coffee we also realized that it would be very expensive if we would just want to collect the waste as it is because it's as as soon as you make coffee it's moist so it develops mold and bacteria within a couple of hours making the logistics extremely expensive if you are gonna have to go for that every day so we developed the drying system we yeah we invented that uh, so we put that in the hotel um, every day somebody puts the coffee waste in that drying system they press a button it dries the, the grounds at origin so instead of having to go for them every day we can go for them every week um, and it eliminates the risk of mold and bacteria growth while preserving all the bioactive compounds that are valuable for us so then a partner collector would pick this up uh, from the hotel and take it to our biorefinery, um, biorefinery which we are currently trying to finance uh, because we are scaling up, right now our status is scaling up from pilot uh, to industrial biorefinery. We have been doing this in a very lab scale with the Danish Technological Institute but yeah we are trying to industrialize it now. Okay. Uh, but yeah then a process goes there into the biorefinery where we fractionate the coffee grounds into major compounds, namely lipids, sugars, proteins, antioxidants, and then with those we produce different ingredients. So for example, the lipid fraction is an oil, that's the first extraction we make. That oil is used as an ingredient for cosmetics, mm-hmm. skincare mostly, uh, being anti-aging, hair care, 
sun protection, moisturizing, anti-cellulite, and mm -hmm. so on. Right. After the oil is extracted, the defatted coffee grounds, we sterilize them and mill them down, and they become a coffee flour, which is gluten-free and super high in uh, fiber, insoluble dietary fibers, and uh, protein, basically. Okay. So, yeah, there are some companies around Denmark experimenting with it to implement it into, well, to include it into their recipes. Okay. Uh, but that's, yeah, the two first steps. We're mm -hmm. working on four more products. Okay. By further fractionating the oil and the grounds into protein, sugars, antioxidants, and then make more ingredients out of them. Okay, so just explain to me, you not only are you um, coming up with this or, or treating a waste product uh, in a way that you can actually provide uh, raw material for different industries, right? Mm -hmm. But you've also you've also developed the like the, the, the machinery or the, the, the dryer to, to actually handle the moist coffee grounds? Or? Yeah. We okay, so that wasn't in the market already? No, we invented that. It's okay. We just filed for a patent for that. Cool. Yeah. yeah thanks. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like that could, I mean, that could be an even bigger business maybe. I mean, yeah, I that's, yeah. we have realized that it, it could be a business of its own. Yeah. But we're going one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, good choice, good choice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh. And have you have you what what kind of challenges I guess have you run uh, into uh, introducing these types of you know novel products into the market? I mean, is there anything um, you know stories that you want to share about that? Sure. Uh, the coffee. Well, with the coffee oil, uh, the coffee oil it's it's an existing product in the market in the cosmetic industry, but it comes from green coffee or roasted coffee beans, meaning that their cost of raw material is attached to supply and demand that makes their prices really volatile and usually extremely high. So right now, a manufacturer, well, a cosmetic manufacturer would pay to a coffee oil manufacturer between 250 to 300 euros per liter. We can sell it at 100, simply wow. because it comes from a byproduct, mm -hmm. and it has been proven that less than one percent is actually used when you brew a cup of coffee of the compounds inside. So it's actually the same quality, even better because of the extraction process, but at a cheaper price. And a stable market. Initially, there was reluctancy from the formulator side, like okay, it comes from waste, so it's probably inferior quality. But then with scientific data, we have proven that it's exactly the same. So then we have sort of gained trust. Nice. And then with the flour, it's a little bit more complicated uh, because it's it's not a product that has been made before. And coffee is considered to be used only as a beverage, but apparently uh, it hasn't, well, the food, food, food authorities say that it, it it's not. Um, it hasn't been substantially consumed before the time where a, a law was made that didn't allow that to happen. So you don't you don't have any like like any proof that it doesn't have serious side effects or something. Uh, like no, that, we have we have proof that it doesn't have that it, that is totally safe. Okay. Like we have ran all the tests that they told us to run, and okay. still they were quite skeptic to it, and then they sent us to, to talk to the European Commission directly, mm -hmm. so we're dealing with them. But yeah, we have run uh, toxicological, microbiological risk assessments, uh, okra toxin, everything. Uh, so we know to the tiniest, tiniest detail how the coffee flour is composed, and we know a million percent how safe it is for consumption. 
It's okay. just a matter of bureaucracy. Okay, so they have some old-fashioned rules that say, well, it has to be, it has to have been consumed for X number of years yeah. before we can actually say it's safe yeah. or, or whatever. Because they see it, because they see coffee grounds as waste. Exactly. We see yeah. it as a wasted resource. Yeah. So we are trying to make them see that it's not a waste simply. Right. That is just something that has achieved one of the many purposes that it can that it can fulfill. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about sustainability and you exactly. know uh, being green green minded and everything here. So it seems like it's something that fits right into that uh, that ambition to be sustainable, though, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and you even have you even have some some publicly funded programs. I think uh, in connection to DTU, actually the Danish Technical University, where they actually they actually offer consulting or, or whatever to to mm-hmm. look into how how do we use waste for for other purposes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it speaks right into that, at least. Yeah, uh, I mean we have we we were part of the uh, an InnoBooster with the innovation fund in, right. in Denmark and because of that grant we were allowed to to basically prove the concept with DTI not DTU but the Technological Institute um, but yeah it's a little bit contradictory to see how the culture itself it's all around sustainability but when it comes to action it uh, laws make it a little bit more difficult than it should be because innovation is happening every day here in Denmark in startups yeah. especially in the food industry trying to make uh, a research out of waste yeah. but yeah um, regulations are not helping that much yeah because I'm thinking I mean everyone knows that that like being a fir- first mover is always a lot of work uh, because yeah. you're the first yeah um, but it shouldn't be that I mean that the legal framework makes it even more difficult yeah I mean it's already uh, difficult itself yeah, with the yeah. scientific part right uh, and the commercialization and then we have to deal with legal stuff so what are you doing what, what, what are the active steps right now you're doing to kind of get over these hurdles I mean have you hired lobbyists now to basically go knock on doors or I mean what's the no, what's the process uh, to, well, do, we to are get around this following the book or what they told us that is the book uh, which is we applied well, first of all, we approach the food ministry in Denmark. Mm, uh, yeah, they, they didn't want to, well, they didn't show a lot of like willingness to help. Uh, they asked for some tests. We supplied those tests. They said it wasn't enough. They didn't say why. Then they just said, like, go to, go to the European Commission. And they told us you need to apply for a novel food application. So we did. Uh, they asked for additional tests. We did those tests, and now we submitted the application again, and we are waiting for an approval. Okay. Uh, but it is, but because we applied last year, it is stated that we can actually commercialize it this year uh, until we receive the the answer, basically. Oh, so you can okay. you can you can start production even though you haven't got a result back from the commission. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For this year, but realistically we will start industrial operations the beginning of next year did they give you an idea of how long it takes to get an answer back or is it kind of just wait and see uh, it could be six to 24 months so yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. yeah but you're but you're up on up and running in some segments right you're, you're allowed to do the the oil yeah the oil it's the, it's all the good flour. the oil it's all good okay the flour it's the one that it's it's a gray area. Okay. It's not that we cannot sell it. It's not that we can sell it. Okay. 
Well, we actually can this year, but this year we don't have the capabilities to produce at the scale that we want. So we'll see what happens during this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, there are already corporates, like bakery chains, experimenting with the flour. So our business model, how it would work, it would basically be, apart from recycling from hotels and taking their... So this is why we choose strategic partners like this. Because, for example, with bakery chains, we can take their waste, transform it into flour. They also sell bakery. So we can sell their waste back as a flour into, of course, processed, in, back into their, into their production. And then for the hotels, for example, we take their coffee waste, we extract the oil, that oil we take a subcontractor to make end products to shampoos, uh, creams, right, soaps, right. and we can sell it back to all of the rooms. And Cir then circular the economy or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. like self-contained yeah, too, exactly, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so is there a loophole that allows you to take it from one institution and sell it back to that same institution? Is that something to get around the regula regulatory? Uh, no, 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 I mean, that's that's all super legal. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and, and just, just to speak on it too, I've had the baked items and they're delicious. That The, yeah. the, the, date, the, date, the dates bars are great and I, did, and I didn't die, so. Yeah, you can make so more, much stuff that you wouldn't imagine that yeah. you can do with, because when you think of it, you think of it as coffee. Yeah. I already think of it as flour, so, uh, but we have made from sourdough breads to pizzas to even pasta, uh, like pastas made out of it protein bars, even falafels. And so does it have does it have like a subtle coffee taste to it or is it No. Okay. Um, the coffee taste it's in the volatile compounds that are extracted okay. with the oil. So okay. if you smell the oil, it smells like coffee. Okay. Uh, but you smell the flour and you smell almost nothing. Yeah, I'm someone who doesn't drink coffee, hate the flavor, and you can't taste it at okay. all in the baked goods. Yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's delicious. You, yeah. Wouldn't, you wouldn't even know except for the color. Yeah, you don't like coffee, right? Yeah, don't, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 The color okay, just gives it, it off. Does it does take the color. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, 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 it's, it's okay. a very darker okay. color, yeah. It's I can show you pictures later. It's yeah. every, it makes stuff brown, almost black. Okay. Even with 5 to 10%, okay. everything becomes black. Yeah, the pasta is very similar to like the squid ink pasta, oh, yeah, yeah, you would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I get. I just got this. Um, I just remembered this. Um, <laughs> totally irrelevant, but uh, I remembered this scene from um, uh, what's it called, Fight Club, mm -hmm. where they steal the fat from the fat removal <laughs> institutions <laughs> yeah. and they sell it back as soap. Yeah, to the yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, circular economy. Also, another yeah, circular economy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Um, but that's the that's the waste part of the coffee. But you're also in, involved in the in the in the kind of the the, the up uh, the, the, the the production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, also, yeah. Or, I mean, uh, we we try to contribute to the farmers in Colombia mm -hmm. simply because we feel connected to that, and we found a really good um, organization called the International Women Coffee Alliance, which has like a, an arm in Colombia which is a community of over 900 women farmers that most of them lost their husband in husbands in the, like the you know what happened in Colombia uh, drug war yeah um, so yeah we started working with them they actually make really really good coffee and they are all planting in very sustainable ways but our main our main objective working with them is not to buy coffee but more to 
improve not only their way of living but the way they see their work instead of looking at it just as a farm and as a daily thing look at it as a company so we are trying to so we are separating some of our profits to invest in education for them to know like administrative stuff to manage a business uh, to implement well, uh, this is a very long-term vision, but we want to implement artificial intelligence there so the processes are optimized. So the role as a farmer is not picking coffee cherries, mm -hmm. but more data and analytics and optimizing everything. Right. That, of course, will happen probably like in 20 years. <laughs> but we are starting just by... This is, isn't happening yet, but we are talking with like Colombian companies that are to partner with uh, to invest like in teaching them about business, uh, English, like basic stuff that would make a difference. Yeah, make it more competitive for the market. Yeah, yeah. and then also build up the build up the community. Yeah, yeah, and then make them more aware of what is happening outside their farm, mm -hmm. so that they know how to invest their money better. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like you have a really strong like a, a CSR profile within your company, um, and and but do you feel like that actually gives you some leverage with? authorities or, or don't they really care about whether you do something good or, or bad yeah well first of all we don't we i have like a, a weird feeling about the word csr mm -hmm. because it sounds like a very well i was taught about this in university and so on and Good, i see well, it let's, every just, day. let's just define it for the listeners real yeah. quick yeah the uh, corporate social responsibility yeah, yeah, just make it yeah yeah but but i mean it's for me, it's uh, like a marketing thing of corporates. Mm -hmm. When we started doing this, we never saw it as CSR. We saw it as simply the right way to do things. And then, yeah, sure, now it's a cool CSR story. But yeah, uh, our our point is just to trying to change what we grew up seeing that wasn't good. That's yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, it adds some leverage. Not with authorities. They don't. They don't care that much. Uh, they don't pay attention to that, to be honest. Uh, but in terms of commercialization, it does add some leverage. And I totally agree, by the way. I mean, the the, the, the whole concept of CSR is, in, in my opinion, something that's developed by large organizations who actually have a guilty conscience about mm -hmm. what they're doing. So they come up with some kind of side business or or they invest yeah. in in, uh, in in child whatever in order to ease their mind a little yeah. bit no, and, yeah. and, and, and to make more sales at the end of the day because yeah, the consumer yeah. is more exactly. aware exactly yeah, yeah yeah but you're you're good all the way through so yeah. we're trying at yeah. least <laughs> sounds yeah, like yeah. it yeah cool Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to share with us uh, about your journey, uh, either here to Denmark or expanding? You know, throughout. I think you just told us recently that you went on a, a trip to Italy and you're going doing some funding and securing some some partners. Uh, well, yeah. Right now, our status is that well, we have two priorities, which are uh, raise well, or close our investment round. Right now, we are looking for a yeah for a quite a big investment to to scale up and then get the corporate clients and partnerships we are which uh, it's in good pace uh, yes i was in italy last week um, talking with like cosmetic manufacturers and brands and so on who would be interested in the oil <laughs> then we are also part of a l'oreal accelerator in paris uh, they have been helping us and we are trying to to make some stuff with them that I would rather not say right now, mm -hmm. but you will know when it's time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, we have, we might not have production yet, but we already have clients waiting for it. So I think that's very exciting. Yeah, it's good to have the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, next month. So yeah, I'm just going to a lot of trade fairs um, in Paris, where like we attended last year. Simply like, just very funny because it was just me and one of my partners going around with a little bottle of oil, trying to talk to like uh, distributors, which had stands in a trade fair worth 200,000 euros like and they looked at us like what are you doing here like <laughs> um, but we also they were kind of closing the door and we were putting the food on the door and continue to email them with the progress and so on and now those are the ones who have signed a contract with us so that's super exciting yeah that's great cool so yeah. now we're meeting them again this year in the like the yearly trade fair and they actually have a full range of products with our oil and so on and so on. Nice man, that's great. That's great to hear. And uh, some of some of those some of those potential clients are they? Could, I mean, could they be investment partners as well for you guys, or are you looking for outside kind of outside financing? Or we are looking for mostly. Well, to answer the first question, first question, they could be, but that would put us in a in a position less bargaining power when it comes to selling so we are trying to avoid that we are not going to do it actually yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we are talking with a lot of corporates so we are interested in getting corporate investment so from life sciences uh, biotechnology companies uh, ingredient manufacturers like what would be our competition but that is not really competition but could be an acquisition later on um, also food industry like our our current confirmed investor is actually from the food industry they are a large coffee supplier from Finland so they are yeah like just corporates because initially we started talking to like business angels and stuff like that they kept saying no your budget is too high you have to go down then we did that and we started talking to corporates and they were like no you have to raise it to be relevant for us exactly so we stick to the corporates and that's yeah. actually a really interesting point you're making because i have some experience with that myself that you very often find yourself with a budget or capital need that's either too small or too big yeah. um, and and it's yeah it's really difficult to navigate that space and actually figure out well who are we going for and then adapting your budget yeah. to that uh, and it depends a lot on the people you talk to you are also especially like we 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 come from colombia and we came here without knowing a soul we didn't know anyone so it was also that has taken a lot of a lot of a lot of time as well to like create the network uh, build the network but yeah initially we were talking with just people that perhaps were looking for smaller investments and they made us believe that we shouldn't go that they were telling us that we were being too ambitious and we were like okay what is too ambitious so yeah that's basically it yeah they were usually telling us like yeah you are in this gap kind of like uh, people are willing to invest maximum two million uh, kronos but then the other gap starts at six and we were initially asking for four and it was kind of in the middle but then we started talking to corporates and we needed to go beyond 10 so now we're asking for a lot more <laughs> so yeah yeah you okay. get the feeling now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that's great yeah 
Um, well, it, so just kind of a takeaway that we always, as we always do, kind of crucial considerations. Do you have three that you'd like to give our listeners about, you know, your business and your journey? Mm, uh, yeah, okay. One would be don't don't think that because it's not being done before it's not possible even though people don't think it's possible mm -hmm. because well in our in our experience that was what kept us that was what gave us drive enough to continue like okay we're gonna show you that we can even though you don't invest in us right um, second I would say uh, this is gonna sound very cliche but it's so true um, failure yeah. failure I think it's it's so more so important to learn yeah. from. Uh, like I if I look back and see the things that we have done wrong I wouldn't say I w I would not do it them again because they all of them taught me or taught us really important lessons yeah mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, not don't be afraid of failing. I, I'm more afraid. People in Colombia used to tell us, are you afraid of going to Denmark? You don't know anything there. Mm. We don't even know how to pronounce the home address. <laughs> and, uh, but we were like, okay, we have this idea. I think we're more afraid of not trying than to failing. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think it's a, I think that's definitely a good point. I mean, it's, it's definitely okay to fail because you learn so much from that. Yeah. It's just important not to do the same mistake over and over again. Exactly. Uh, then yeah, so learn from the failure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then last, I would say, be good at time management. Mm -hmm. Be organized. Um, and I mean, it's basically about prioritization. Otherwise, you are um, yeah. you're damned yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice man <laughs> well Alejandro thanks for stopping by uh, the corner uh, it was great chatting with you and yeah. uh, learning more about your company uh, really thanks for yeah. uh, thanks for your time as well yeah. I think it's really cool for you yeah, yeah we you. look forward to hearing more yep and we'll keep you updated yep. thank you sure thank you. Right. thanks listeners thanks for listening to the episode everyone we hope you found the information useful for you and your company if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me on Twitter at TravelingESQ or Martin at Martin. Remember to subscribe to the Consulting Corner podcast wherever you get your podcasts and stay tuned for upcoming episodes.